Hello, welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor from Grandview Baptist Church here with Stan Fowler from Grandview Baptist Church. And uh, just before uh, we came on the air, Stan and I usually just uh, have conversations about things we should be thinking about, and it just seems like a very natural transition to go from off-air to on-air with our conversation. But the one we were having just now, maybe we'll defer that to another day. The topic of today is um, why don't, and this is personal as well, just so that you know, why don't guys like me... Uh, who are pastoring wonderful churches with people who love the Word of God, uh, why don't I preach more on the second coming, at least to the extent that it was back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, or the 1880s for that matter, um, when these were popular themes within evangelicalism? What, what is it about now that we don't just don't hear about it so much anymore. Yeah, this Bob, this topic uh, has has been on my mind for a long time for a whole lot of reasons. Um, this immediate conversation, I, I perhaps was sparked uh, a few weeks ago when I read blog post by Trevin Wax. I don't know if you ever read Trevin's mm-hmm. blog, but it, it's a very thoughtful blog, and um, he he had this one post about the generational difference when it comes to preaching on the second coming. Now, he's in an American context, and it's a little bit different there. Uh, Always has been uh, among Baptists, certainly different there. It's always been a much much greater uh, topic, much more significantly preached on topic there for a whole lot of historical reasons. But he indicated that especially among younger pastors, uh, there's a tendency to avoid preaching on the second coming. And and probably even among older pastors, not that I want to use older to refer to you, um, probably a, a bit of the same tendency. And and I've certainly noticed in in my years, or let's say over the last 40 years, that in, in many Canadian churches... Um, I mean, uh, they haven't heard a sermon that dealt with the second coming in several years or maybe decades. And, uh, I mean, it, is is that true? Now, you were telling me... You've, it's you've kind had a, of true. You've had a chat with some younger guys, students, interns recently. Every week we are have a they, chat. Are they leery of preaching on the second coming? Uh, they're not leery, but they have noticed that it's uh, conspicuously absent and uh, wondered why it wouldn't come up. Some of them just think that uh, it may be because when you preach expositionally, you don't get to it all the time. And it just you wait your turn. When, you, when it comes, you get there. But um, some of them aren't uh, aware as much as how prominent the theme was back in the day. And so they don't get it necessarily. But they do believe that it's a very important part of the gospel presentation. Yeah, if you're, I mean, one, one way in which, uh, for example, Luke in Acts refers to Paul's preaching is the gospel of the kingdom, good news of the kingdom, which I think quite clearly is the good news that, that the king is exalted in heaven and he's going to return to, to judge the world. But now you mentioned, let's say back to the 70s and 80s, um, when it was a more, perhaps a, a more widely discussed topic, 
But in many ways, that was, that was only true within a certain subset of evangelical life, and that was the dispensational premillennial subset. It was certainly prominent there. I know that for sure. I mean, I remember as a youth in my church back in middle America, all the uh, series on prophecy. Uh, I mean, I, I remember how confident our pastor was that he had it right. I remember the fact that any any new convert or new member of the church was encouraged to immediately get a Schofield reference Bible. Yeah, I've been in Bible studies when people quoted the footnotes of the Schofield Bible as if it were the text. <laughs> and and I should admit in this conversation, I'm I'm a Canadian as an ecclesiastical refugee from the evangelical battle of Armageddon. So I know from my ministry history in the USA the challenge of, of serving in a group in which my view about the details of the second coming wasn't yeah, considered and that's, kosher. <clears throat> that's the problem. Um, I, I want to be able to talk about the second coming. Jesus is coming. It's great news. Get excited. But the signs of the second coming, all the, the, the teachings surrounding it, the warnings of it, the, the condition of the world at the time of the second coming. Uh, it just seems to me that, that that teaching, those passages get carried away and we lose the, the idea that Jesus is coming again and we're so focused on, well, what aspect of prophecy is being fulfilled right now? And be, because there's such a great interest in that, things are said that are speculative, and we've been embarrassed. Oh, we certainly have. Uh, we've been embarrassed in many different ways. I mean, I, I can still remember right after I graduated from Dallas Seminary in 1972, we moved back to Indianapolis, and uh, there was a, a big Jack Van Impe crusade at the fairgrounds, Indiana Fairgrounds in Indianapolis, and we went. Jack and Rexella. That's right, and and Jack came very, very close to saying Jesus is going to return by 1988, within 40 years after the reconstitution of Israel in 1948. Edged up to it. Yeah. Um, realized he was, um, you know, he was he was perhaps in dangerous territory about setting dates and. And, and he, even, he even used the argument that human history, from the creation of Adam and Eve to the second coming, would be 6,000 years. And the millennium following the second coming would be like the, the Sabbath, which, well, assuming 4,000 and something like that for Adam and Eve, you know, would have, would have put the second coming somewhere near closer to 2,000 and and he said, someone in talking about that whole idea that progress of human history to the end of the age would be six millennia, and then the millennial reign of Christ would follow. He said, you may, you may think that's just idle talk, and, and that's, I'm a foolish guy, but he said, hey, you can read this in the epistle of Barnabas, one of the second century church fathers. And I sat there thinking, yeah, but you can't read it in the Bible. There's the problem, Jack. So that's just one illustration of the, yeah. of the lunacy yeah. that surrounded this teaching. And my own answer to this question is, 
um, I just sometimes don't have the energy to wade back into that and navigate through all those passages because in my heart of hearts, I look at the world today and I say, you know, it does seem to line up with what the scripture says about the conditions of the world at the end. We've got a a global market, we've got uh, tyranny, at least the idea of a one-world government, what's with the mark of the beast, what Antichrist, who is always with us, the spirit of Antichrist is always here. Um, it comes in uh, manifestations, but will ultimately appear in the man of sin. And so, I mean, I want to talk about that. I, I think it's back in the day when this was popular, the residual blessing was that people were... Um, eagerly expecting the second coming. Like Peter says, they were purified. Uh, They were zealous for evangelism. And you know that there were great movements, genuine movements of the Spirit of God in those days. Uh, The Schofield Bible, for all of its issues, got people studying the Bible in a way they hadn't studied before. Mind you, they they were corralled by the the notes. And I really would... I, I wonder sometimes if the preaching on the second coming doesn't uh, fan that flame, that good flame, but it can be hijacked by so many, so much nonsense. Well, I agree. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolutely crucial, revealed truth. It's, it's the heart of Christian hope. If we don't talk about it, then, then we miss out on, on a lot, some of which you've just referred to. Um, we, we miss the thought Christ is coming back to judge the world. He is is going to put things right. Um, Whatever our view about the millennium and how it factors into it, we we all look forward to the return of Christ, which will bring about ultimately the new heaven and new earth, the new creation. So there's a whole lot that we miss. And as you say, it has, in, in interesting ways, teaching about the second coming has had evangelistic impact in the past. I'm I'm quite sure... A lot of people, thousands, certainly thousands, many thousands of people, no doubt, were were brought to faith in Christ through a film like Thief in the Night. Now, Thief in the Night pictures the second coming in a way that I personally don't even think is biblical. And yet, and yet it, it reminds the world, reminds everybody watching it, that this world is not going to go on in its present form forever. Yeah. Christ is going to return, and, and, they, and they need to be ready. Now, I still remember when, when our family saw that film. Our, our daughter was, I think, about four years old at the time, and for weeks thereafter, she was bouncing around the house singing, Life was filled with guns and war, yeah, and everyone stuff. got trampled on the floor. Uh, Larry Norman's yeah, song, that was that the song. theme for the film. <laughs> I learned how to film. play it on the guitar. Um, but it, it, it powerfully said, you know, you're going to have to be ready. And if we don't talk about the second coming at all, um, we lose that. What about, other, what about other pastors? Have you and other pastors ever talked these days about... Whether you are whether you're preaching the uh, second coming well, or how you might do it, most of us uh, sometimes it's talked about in a light way where we recall some of the the nonsense that surrounded it, and uh, to my shame, sometimes we make fun of it. You know, the 
not the second coming, but the whole topic and and, and the the craziness around that. And uh, we, I, no one, to my knowledge, has had a serious conversation about should we um, introduce that theme into our churches. Um, in a conference manner where you really focus and teach holistically on the second coming. I've never heard in our circles of churches anymore doing that. Or even when we preach the gospel, um, that's been an issue. What, what does it mean to preach a sermon, a gospel sermon, all the time? And when we do preach the gospel, sometimes we don't include the second coming. When when Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius, you get a beautiful outline of the gospel, and he included the second coming, uh, the judgment to come. And I just wonder if when we just create the vocabulary in our church, should we, in our sermons, uh, constantly remind people that this is something that excites us, we're looking forward to, as opposed to having maybe a week-long conference on prophecy? Well, I think that makes perfect sense. And now you referred earlier to uh, to the idea that, well, as we preach expositionally through the scriptures, then... Uh, we're obviously not we're not going to be preaching the second coming every other week and and my concern is not not that we have to have sermons that are totally devoted to the idea of the second coming as much as um, emphasizing it as a key biblical truth and frankly, it often shows up in biblical texts as we're expounding this text in a in a very brief form so a, a reference to as you await the the appearing of Christ, mm-hmm. um, as uh, you know, as we await the revelation of Christ, and so on, it, not in a um, uh, in a largely developed way, but it's there. It, it, it's so integral yeah. to the Christian message that the apostles, as they write, can just refer to it in a yeah, uh, as as they're going it's the atmosphere are we a people when we think of our church our, our movement do we think of a, a group of people who are eagerly awaiting the coming of the lord in the mean we're not goofing around we're diligently engaged in gospel living right now um, but are we does that characterize us and i don't think it does no i don't think it does and that's a concern to me um and that's and that's why i think somehow we we have to find a way to talk about the second coming that recognizes we don't all see all the details the same way, but we all have the same fundamental hope. And and that hope is so important, it needs to be emphasized. And so we need to recover. Okay, just a few minutes left. I'm going to ask you a question. What about um, all the data that is given, uh, the signs of the times, the events, the global events, uh, the famines and all that sort of thing, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot there, and can you speak about the second coming of Christ without dealing with with all of that? I think we should talk about that in our next conversation. Actually, yeah, how, we are out of time. How can we? How can we actually uh, talk about the second coming of Christ in in the context of disagreements and and complicated ideas? How how can we do it? I think we need to talk about that again. I look forward to that. Thank you for listening to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Keep on thinking.